whatever it'll be. Amen. We're looking forward to it. Looking forward to this Magnify Conference. Amen. I was. And, uh, and I was hoping we could still come. I've not got to preach in the new building. I've got to see it and got to come by it. Whenever I go to my grandma's house, we'd come by this way all the time and look at the progress on it. But and now we're moved in. Amen. Right? I kind of feel like I've moved in, you know? I mean, I'm not even... I, brother, we're getting ready to vote in Brother Ricky as a deacon at the church. And uh, he sends me a message, Brother Bush, he does every morning, you know. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to put him in there. We're just waiting on his letter, amen. And no, don't give it. Uh, I do feel almost like a part of you. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for what we've got in the future going on with the different trips and all. We're looking forward to those things. But I'm excited to be here. And I asked Brother Pope, I said, are you sticking to the Magnify theme or or, or what you do? He said, you're at liberty. <laughs> you know what that means, amen. And so I said, all right. And so God gave us a message, and uh, we added to it some more today, and I pray it'll be a blessing. I do have a message on magnifying the Lord. And that's something I was chomping at the bits to preach, but I'm not asking myself back, but uh, there's going to be a time that's appropriate that I'm going to preach that, and God will give us liberty. Thank you for praying for little Elkin. Man, we're loving it there. And I, as far as I know, everything's going wonderful. If it's not, they're not telling me, but everything's great. And church is growing spiritually, and we're growing in number, and we just praise God for it. So you continue praying. Uh, pray for the preacher, amen, and pray that God will help us, give us wisdom, know what to do. I've always been a helper, but now I'm kind of having people look to me, and I'm looking at them saying, well, what do you think? <laughs> I had a deacon call me today of a situation. He said, what do you think, preacher? I said, I, sounds good. What do you think? He said, I don't know. You're the preacher. I said, yeah. What do you think? You know, it don't matter. I could, like I said, I could, well, amen. They just love us there. I love them. That's what's amazing, ain't it? They love me. I love them. And we're having the time of our life. Hallelujah. Well, let's look in Proverbs chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter number 17. Very familiar scripture, but I want to go somewhere with this. We've been studying uh, the life of David last year. It took us a year to get through the life of David uh, there at the church. And man, we enjoy. Hey, man, I like this pulpit. Brother Hoot's here. Where? There he is. Hey, man, brother, you built this, didn't you? Hey, man, this is. You did, right? I hope I'm not putting him on the spot. But this is beautiful. Hallelujah. And I, I looked at it and I was kind of like, wow, that's nice. That is super. And the finish is nice and all. Matt, fin I mean, I. Hey, man, Proverbs 17. <laughs> Y'all might come back one night. It's like be gone, you know? I'd have to have Brother Ricky help me move it. I couldn't move it anyway. Amen. Proverbs 17. And let's look what the Lord had. But we were, we were studying the life of David. And that's what's got me kind of geared up to get back to Israel and see all these places of David's life. Uh, Proverbs. Solomon wrote the Proverbs. Pro Solomon being one of the, uh, the Bible says, is one of the wisest men to ever live. One commentator said he was the wisest fool that lived. And so he was wise, but he was foolish. Isn't that amazing? And so you can be a wise fool, but he, he wrote these proverbs, sayings uh, that we should glean from. He wrote Ecclesiastes at the latter end of his life as an older man, uh, looking back and telling us some things of, of where to invest your time, really, and what to do in this life. But here he's writing this, and, and I want to read this verse, and then we're going to reference over to 2 Samuel 19. If you want to put a finger there, we'll be there in just a little while. But this verse says this. It says, verse 22, a merry heart. Do with good like a medicine. I like that, don't you? I mean, I like to laugh. I do. I like to have a good time. 
I thought for a while my life's purpose here was to make people smile. And I like to smile. And, and I hope you like to smile. Man, you can tell uh, some of you need to smile, you know. And, and uh, Mary Hartworth, you're like a medicine. You're always upset and down and out. Well, just get around something that makes you laugh. And ha- listen, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. There's not, if you think there is, don't come around me, all right? Because I don't like to be droopy and drowned. I don't like that. I like to have a good time. Can I tell you, God wants you to enjoy this journey called life. He don't want you just to endure it and kind of mope through it. He wants you to enjoy it. Listen, God's got a sense of humor. I look in the mirror, praise God, and you'll see that sometimes he makes a funny, right? Uh, but listen, the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I like to preach that. Uh, one of my best friends, Ryan Marlowe, that's his life verse. And Brother Ryan's bubbly, isn't he? But a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But I'm interested in the second part of this. <laughs> he says, but... This is almost in contrast to a merry heart with good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Father, we love you. We need you. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you guide us tonight and give us clarity of speech, clarity of thought. Lord, help your people and help myself to be drawn to your word and transform us. Transform us by the renewing of our mind. Make us more like Jesus. Lord, would you do that that only you can do? I can give to the ears, but you give to the heart. You work on the heart of man. God, we ask your presence be here tonight and be personal with us. Search hearts. Do what we don't like, what people do, and get in our business. Get all in our business. Clean out things that aren't supposed to be in our lives. Clean out things that are weights that are besetting to us. And God will be careful to give you glory. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Broken. That word broken means smitten. It means afflicted. It means stricken. A broken spirit. Spirit is the wind uh, by resemblance breath. A sensible or even violent exhalation. Broken spirit really by definition means this, the wind knocked out of you. Bones, the skeletal body, hence the self-drieth means to be ashamed, confused, disappointed, to dry up or wither, to wither away. And so what he's saying here is the broken spirit drieth the bones. The wind knocked out of you, disappointed, drieth the bones, disappointed, confused, dried up self, wither away. And I believe, listen, I believe that's where a lot of the church is. Man, a lot of us are merry and a lot of us are, are enjoying life, but, uh, but it's amazing, also saddening uh, to see the condition of the church in these days. Now, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm not already told my wife, I'm not going to talk about politics or coronavirus, all right? So I'm not going to mention politics or coronavirus. But it's amazing, listen, in these days uh, of us, the church, the, uh, the, the salt of the earth, uh, we're the ones who are in fear and living in fear. Not just because of what's going on now, but always. Man, we're always scared of something and, and we're always afraid something bad's going to happen. We're the salt. Listen, if we don't have hope, who's going to have hope? And he says, listen, a, a broken spirit drieth the bones. That's the wind. You ever had the wind knocked out of you? A broken spirit, an afflicted, an afflicted spirit will dry you up. I can remember a couple of times I've had the wind knocked out of me. 
Can I share them with you? One, I was younger. I told you I laughed. You might find this funny. I don't, but I, I, was, I was climbing a tree stand, a tree house up to a tree house, and there were good boards and there were bad, you know, like they were nice looking two befores and then there were some old two befores. And so I said, I'm not going to grab those old ones. You know, they'll break. So I grabbed the new ones. I was about 10 foot off the ground. Felt like 20 though, you know. And, and I grabbed that board and put on my weight and I was going for the next step and it came out. And there I went. Phew. And I remember I landed on the ground, but I landed. Uh, we used to play, uh, somebody threw out a, a washing machine and we took the inside out of that bad boy. And I landed on that. Pop. <laughs> That's what I did. And the guy that was with me, you know what he did? <laughs> Look at you. All oh, that hurt, you know. You should have heard that noise you made. And I laid there. <laughs> I remember I crawled out of the woods. He didn't take me serious until I laid on the ground for somebody to come get me. I can remember I made it home. And I wasn't even able to drive yet. I was in my teen, early teen years. And I, I went home, went to bed that night. And I woke up next morning. I couldn't get up. So my brother had to come help me out of bed. And I went in there in the, in the, in the bathroom to get ready. And I mean, I'm in tears. I really am because I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. It hurts. And she's like, you pull this every morning. You're going to school. <laughs> you ever do that? I used to try to play dead. Anyone else ever did you do that? I, I lay there. I'm like, if I hold my breath, roll my eyes back, Mom will think I'm dead. She's like, get up. You're going to school. Mom, you won't even, I mean, have pity. No, you're going to school. And so I need rest. No, I don't know what she said. But I remember I was like, no, you don't understand. My back hurts. Daddy said, maybe he's telling the truth, Lynn. You know, once in his life. You know, and he said, well, let's see it. So I pulled my back up and there was a perfect, a perfect shape just like that where I fell on the inside of that thing. Pow, just like that. I mean, knock the wind. I know what that feels like. Y'all know what that feels like? I remember I played football for one year. And man, that was fun. The only reason I didn't play anymore was a couple reasons. One, I hated practice every day. Be honest. I wanted to play football, you know. I liked it when you put pads on, when you put helmets on, you got to hit somebody. But I didn't like just running to death. Y'all, I mean, y'all worried about them whooping kids at school. You ought to go on the football field and see what they do to them, you know. I mean, we'd do those gut thrusts and we'd do those heels and all stuff like that. And, and, and they tried to kill you. And so I remember going home like, Daddy, I'm done. I ain't playing no more. I, uh, this, uh, I was fine with Monday through Fridays. And they'd do a little couple, two a days. And now he said Saturday. I'm done. He said, you started it? And I said, yeah. He said, you're going to finish it. Good night. And I thought, well, I thought he loved me. Now he's no, hey, there I'd go, you know. And so I played and I played. And, and I can remember I used to play a couple different. I'd played tailback. And uh, then I played, uh, I played a defensive end. I played a tidy. I played all over the place. I just liked hitting, you know, getting hit. That was fun. And I can remember one time I was running a, uh, some play. I don't remember what it was, but I was lined up on the outside. And I'd done a five and out. And so I'm running, I cut out five, and he overthrows it. And so I'm reaching. And when I did, I got hit right in the gut. Yeah, by one of them little fellas that looked like a cinder block. You know, and they make noises when they hit you. And he hit, I mean, caught me. If you know anything about football, there's no padding right here. That's why you do gut thrust and you, you know, beat yourself in the stomach because hey, you're trying to get that what's not padded. You're trying to get it strong. And I can remember I, I, I caught the ball. And I hit the ground. And I let out one of them. And here come my coach. I thought he's going to have pity. No, he beat me to death in the head. Y'all know how they'll do. And he just, he started, he, he, I remember, I remember this scene. I'm holding on to the football. And he's over top of me like this. His name was Squeaky. If you got a coach named Squeaky, you're in for it. Amen. And so I can remember. 
I can remember him being right here. And what did he say? He said, you held on to the ball. I didn't care, but that's what he said. You held on to the ball, son. Good job. And then he grabbed me by my pads and picked me up. He said, get on now. Uh, get on the sideline. You'll set out a play. And I thought, oh, no. I mean, tears coming out of my eyes. You say, oh, you went. Let me hit you in the stomach. You know, brother. And so I can remember I went over the sideline and, and they spray you in the face with water or Gatorade or, I don't know, ethanol, whatever it was they spray you with. And so I got that and I was like, all right, I'll be good. And I'm trying to gain my composure, quit crying. And so I sat down for a little while, you know, about the time he, Sashlaw, 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 where's he at? You're in, do it again. <laughs> you know, and so I went back out there just like that. <laughs> and it hurt. You ever had the wind knocked out of you? You know why I remember that? Because it really hurt. And it really happened. Listen, you ever had the wind knocked out? It don't matter how many years passed. You're going to remember having the wind knocked out of you. And hear what this proverb is saying. Listen, look what he says. A broken spirit having the wind knocked out of you will dry you up. It'll dry you up. Listen, when we should be living the most uh, victorious life, when we should be singing the, the happiest, how can you not smile when Jesus and me for each tomorrow, amen. How can you not get excited about he is mine? How we should be whistling the loudest. We should be shouting the victory. How we should be smiling, laughing, loving. Listen, if anybody should be living life, it should be the Christians. We ought to be living. How we, but listen, on the flip side, most of people who claim the name of God are living a defeated, a destitute, dysfunctional, disgusting, destructive, dry life. And why is that? Why is it? I'll tell you why I believe it is. I believe some of us and some of you something's happened in your life as a Christian that's come by and has knocked the wind out of you. But here's what's happened. Man to fall down seven times if he's a good man, right? He'd get right back up keep going. Oh, that's a good verse, ain't it? That's a hard verse to live. Some of you have been knocked down. Something come along your life and knocked you off course. And it hurt. And you hadn't got over it. And you want to get over it, but you remember. You remember what happened. You remember getting the wind knocked out of you. Can I give you a couple things on this wind? Not, listen, it happens to every ministry, living a Christian life. It's not easy. Things are going to happen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do they happen to people? Not just to good people. Let me give you a couple things here. Would you turn with me over to 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel 19. I'm going to give you an illustration from the Bible. How about that? <laughs> illustration from the Bible of having the wind knocked out of it. Does everybody have the wind knocked out of them? As far as I know, everybody has. We could go around the room and say, tell me something in your Christian life that has knocked the wind out of you. It took you a little while to get over Tell me something that sticks out in your Christian life uh, that, that you've, you've, you've got victory over and you're going on. But there was a time that it knocked you out. It knocked you down. I'm talking about a broken spirit. Having the wind knocked out of you will dry you up. And what happens is this. You have the wind knocked out of you. And if you don't, if you don't seek counsel from God's word, you'll dry up. 
I've been called a lot of times. I've never been called a dried up Baptist. Now listen, I know some. I preach, listen, we, we preach, we've preached about every Sunday night since we've had all this to somewhere. Uh, drive in. Uh, we, we preached in a church, uh, Bethel, and there was the pastor and my family and two sound men. And I got more out of them. They hold about 350, that there was about 10 people. I got more out of that than I have some full churches. Why? Because it's dried up. I don't want to be labeled as a dried up Baptist. What does that mean? That means something's happened they ain't got over. Something's happened in their life and they've not got the victory over. And so I say this, God, help us to have the victory over a dry life. And I had so many illustrations I was going to bring, but I didn't want to get anything wet. And I was thinking, I don't want to be dry. I don't want to be dry. Some people, I'm not going to use Baptists. Some Christians are so dry, you got to prime them to spit. No enjoyment in their life. They have no victory over anything in their life. And what happened, preacher? Something come along and they were serving God. They were in the church. Things were going great. And something came and piled and knocked them that they weren't looking for. And they never got over it, Brother Ricky. And you know what God wants to say? Let's get, well, we're going to look at it. Let's get over it. Have victory, praise God. Let me give you a couple of things here. We see this in King David's life. I believe this is an example of the verse in Proverbs 17, 22. Uh, let me give you what's happening here in chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. Uh, we have the deception and the rebellion of Absalom. I mean, you want to talk about getting hit? Here his son rises up against him and deceives him and rebels on him. And then we have in chapter 15, uh, uh, verse 13 through chapter 17, we have the departure and the running of King David. He takes off. He leaves Jerusalem. He goes down through, uh, he goes down through Kidron Valley there at uh, uh, Mount, or the, the Garden of Gethsemane where we would say now. He goes up Mount of Olives and he's running away. Barefoot. Ain't that something? That's always stuck out to him. I don't know why. But the Bible says while he's running, he's barefoot. I preached a message on barefoot and brokenhearted. And he's weeping all the way. Man, that's a good preach there. If y'all know that man named Shimei or Shimmy, Shimei, I call him Shem. He comes and starts throwing rocks at him. And David said, just let him do it. I mean, you know you feel in the dumps. You want to talk about having the wind knocked out of when somebody throws the rocks at you and you don't even worry about them. He starts throwing the rocks saying, you, you deserve it, you bloody king. You no good for nothing. You knew this was going to come. You no good. He throw, you no good, bloody handed king. His right hand man says, You want me to take him out of the picture? He says, No. Let him throw his rocks. I'm talking about he was broken hard and had the wind knocked out of him. But we have the departure and running of King David. Chapter 18, we see the death and the ruin of Absalom. I'm just give you this outline here of what's happening, what's going on. And they have this battle. And if you've read and know this story, King David tells his men, he says, please don't hurt my boy. I'm paraphrasing. I mean, whatever you do, don't hurt, don't hurt Absalom. He's my son. I'm thinking, man, he's rebelled against you. He's coming after you to kill you. And you say, don't mess with him. But then we hear he gets his head cut in a tree, caught in a tree. I think it was Lester Roloff preached a message and the mule walked on. Talking about how he got his long hair stuck in a tree there and the mule walked on. Joab comes through and sticks darts in him. 
they come and tell King David that he's dead. Your son's dead. And that's where we're at. Chapter 19. Let's look what happens. It was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. The victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son. Now listen, he's already brokenhearted. He already had something happen to him he didn't think was going to happen. His own son rebel against him. What led up to his brokenness was this. I believe, number one, he had been left out. Man, he'd been left, y'all ever, you ever been left out? I, I've been left out of some things. And you're like, uh, I remember there was a meeting that happened one time, and I wasn't to be invited because it was about me. I wasn't worried it was about me. I'm used to people talking about me in front of me. It was that they didn't invite me for me to hear about me. And me wanted to have an input about me. And I was left out. You know, David here, Absalom got his group together, and they kind of left him out of the, yeah, it's just King David. We don't need to tell him we're getting ready to rebel against his kingdom. It, look, can I tell you this? Go ahead and tell you. Nobody likes to be left out. Nobody. Nobody. The preacher don't. Back to the who, nobody likes to be left out. And when you're left out, man, there's a chip of something that just breaks you just a little bit. He was left out. Number two, he had been let down. You know? Anybody ever been let down? Yeah. Man, now can you imagine being left out of something and then, and then being let down? Then number three was this. He had been belittled. Oh, Shemai. Caught him bloody hands. No good for nothing. And now he hears his boys been murdered, been killed in battle. At this time, he's not in Jerusalem. If you got look at the maps in the back of your Bible, you'll find Jerusalem. Then you look to the right, you'll see the Jordan. He's down, down on the Jordan over here. Been run out of Jerusalem. And here's what happens. He says, and the people, verse number three, got them by stealth that day into the city. As people being ashamed, still away when they flee into battle. What's going on? There's people here that, man, they've, they've got the victory. Hey, we won. They come back rejoicing. They look at the king and he's not too happy. So word travels. Listen, I know we've won the battle, but the king's pretty upset. So by stealth, they got themselves. What is that? They kind of snuck in. The warriors kind of wiped the blood, if I could say, off their weapons and kind of hid them away. They kind of fixed her, make it look like we haven't. And they had to sneak back into the city. And then he says, and the king, verse number four, covered his face. And the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son. My son! And Joab came into the house to the king. And here's what he said. Number four, I give you what he says. I want to say this, that Satan always uses the same attacks, has always, and will always, to discourage, to depress, to deter uh, the believer. The Bible says this, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And so these that led up uh, to David's can I say it like this? Dry season. 
is the same attack Satan uses us. Hey, if you're having a bad day when you first get out of bed, guess what? If you don't get victory over it right then, something's going to happen. It's going to chip away at you before you even get to where you're going. And then whenever you get to where you're going, somebody's going to say something to belittle you. And if you don't get victory over it the first thing in the morning, guess what? Every little chomp, if you don't watch it, you're going to get dry. And you're going to find yourself broken. And you're going to find yourself where here David is. He's over. His kingdom that he's over, he ain't even worried about. He's found himself in a dry season. But now let's look at this. And uh, I've got to hurry. We're going to look at at how he overcame. That's what we're worried about, right? Preacher, we know we go through dry times. We know if something hits you that you're not expecting, knocks the wind out of you, it hurts. Man, it can make you dry. How do you get over it? That's what I want to know, right? So let's look at this. Here's what happened. Joab came. That's his right-hand man. Into the house of the king. And he said, Thou hast shamed this day the faces of all thy servants, which this day have saved thy life, and the lives of thy sons and of thy daughters, and the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy concubines. What's he doing? Well, I believe he's doing this. I believe the truth is coming out. Now here, I, I, I believe this. I believe Joab went into preach mode. And here's what he did. Listen, King, listen. Uh, you, you have shamed. I mean, I can just see him preaching. You have shamed this day the faces of thy servants. Uh, you, you, they've saved their, your life. Uh, they put their life on the line. Uh, they put thy son. Uh, they, they, they've saved your life. And here you are acting like this. Let's look what he said. Verse 6, And that thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends, for thou hast uh, declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived, and we all had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. Now therefore arise, go forth, speak comfortably unto thy servants. For I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night. And that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. What did he give him? He gave him truth. Let me tell you how to get over, how to get over, uh, how you need to get over a dry time. Preaching. Look what he said. Look, he says, when I, hey, king, hey, king, you're in a dry time. Look what he says, verse 2. When others are shouting the victory, you're stopping the shout. Don't stop the shout, right? Uh, you need preaching. You don't like testing. Listen, I know these people like that. At the time when you used to testify, now you don't even testify. You don't even like testimonies. The singing's too loud. The praying's too loud. We don't like the shouting in the church or, or out of church. That preacher shouldn't get excited. That choir shouldn't sing like that. That's not the way that we used to do it. Man, if we ever say anything like that, what's going on? We're getting dry. We're getting dry. That's what he says, verse number two. Listen, everybody, there was victory that day. and People were excited, but they can't shout because you're stopping the shout. Truth, he gave him truth. Look what else he says, verse number five. Hey, David, you haven't even acknowledged the people that are fighting for you. Look what he says. Thou hast shamed this day the faces of all thy servants, which this day have saved thy life and the lives of thy sons, thy daughters, the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy conquer. He said, you haven't even acknowledged the people that are fighting for you. Can I tell you, you can get dry in church. You can also get dry in your country. Absolutely. Somebody put a post up the other day that was the most ignorant thing. I wanted to smash the computer, but I did. It said something like this. Why do we honor veterans at the church? I said, well, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Amen. And so I said, you know what we're going to have this year at Veterans Day? 
We're going to do something bigger. Praise God. Why? Because I want to remember and I want to honor those that put their life on the line so that we can have freedom. And that's, listen, if we ever get to the point where we say we're not thankful for them and we're ungrateful, why do we honor these? Why do we honor those that are faithful to church? Listen, if you ever question that, it could be that you're getting dry. He was in this dry season. He wasn't even worried about who had sacrificed for him. Look what else he said. I'm trying to get the message. He said, David, that you'd rather see the enemy win. I, I think Joab's preaching right here. Don't that sound like preaching? All I'm doing is saying what he said. You ain't, you're stopping the shout. You ain't got a shout no more. You've lost your shout. Number two, David, you haven't acknowledged who's fighting for you. Number three, you'd rather see the enemy win. Let me tell you this. Look at verse number six, what he says. Thou lovest thine enemies, hatest thy friends. Thou hast declared this day. Thou regardest neither prisoners nor servants. He said, for this day I perceive. I've just been looking. I believe this. If Absalom had lived and all of us had died, it pleased thee well. Why, you'd have been happy. Ain't that something? Application real quick before we get in the five-point message. Let me give it to you. When, you. when you get more excited about the world's activities, yeah, y'all know this? When you get more excited about worldly activities more than you get excited about a sinner coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you could be in a state that's dry. Oh, but preacher, I've still got my shout. Yeah, but, but you can have a shout but be dry on God. Look what he said. He said, you'd rather see the world win, David. You get more pleasure out of worldly events, out of worldly happenings, occurrences. It's time for you to snap out of this. You get more enjoyment. He said you participate. Listen, if we, if we participate in the things of the world more than things of God, we're getting dry. I know some people say this. Well, I don't sing. I don't sing in a congregation. I don't sing in the choir. But then you'll see them going down the road singing to the radio. See, the problem is they don't sing. The problem is they've dried up on God. Right? When achy, breaky heart is a little more convenient for you to sing than Jesus and me. And you'll come into church and you're singing louder in that, in that car and that truck with your windows down uh, more than you're singing in here. But you'll come in here and shout. Listen, it's not that you've lost your shout. It's that you've dried up on the Lord. And we get more involved in the, in the, worldly, in the worldly things. People say, well, I'm not an emotional. You know, you don't have to be emotional. I tell you, some of you that are not emotional, if I come in your yard and spun it up, <laughs> would you get emotional? If not, write your address down. <laughs> and we'll put something in that thing, praise God. If you come out of your house, go, yeah, I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, you're not emotional. Right? Hey, man. Listen, the thing is, it's just that you're getting dry. I don't even know why I'm preaching this. Really, I thought, Lord, why in the world? This is a church that's on fire for God. I mean, things are going honestly. I've got two other messages in my life. I told Brother Ricky, I said, just pray. I don't know what I'm preaching. <laughs> I still don't even know if I'm going to preach this. <laughs> we might just stop right now and go somewhere else. I'm kidding. 
But let's look at this. I'm trying to get here. Listen, if we get more enjoyment out of, out of, out of convenience, I'm talking about if you get more enjoyment out of sleep, I get so tired. See, it bothered me before I was passionate. Now it does. That's the only day I have to sleep in. I'm like, you're a lazy bum if you sleep till 10. <laughs> 10 a.m., if you're still in the bed, you, you don't need the Lord. You need, you need health officials. Let's not got youngins. We'll get in at midnight, and they still don't sleep till ten. You're right. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. But but I'd rather sleep. Listen. No, that's not the point. The point is this: you've got dry on the Lord. You get more enjoyment out of conveniences. You get more joy out of feeding the flesh than out of learning God's word. I'm talking about Bible reading, Sunday school, Bible revivals. Listen, what's happened? The problem is that you don't need revival. The problem is that you've got dry on God. That's what's happened. Now let me give you this. We're going to try to hurry through this. We're getting dry. What do we need? Well, what he done was this. Let me give you these four points. Number one, what did he have to have? What got him, what got him back on his feet? We know later in this chapter, uh, we're going to see in just a minute, David gets up and he goes back to Jerusalem. He sits on his throne and he gets back in it. Now what got him there? Number one was this. Write down. Number one, he had to be preached to. You know, we need preaching. I need preaching. Oh, I didn't know how much I needed preaching until I hadn't been around preaching. I was just preaching. <laughs> Does that make sense? Me and Elijah went down to a meeting in Hartsville, South Carolina. And uh, I, I didn't know. I, and I'm giving, you know, and I'm giving. And I'm pre- I love to preach. Don't give me, I love to preach. And we got down there, preachers started preaching. I mean, and they just throwing them up. There was three that night. And then the next morning they had three. Then we ate. And then there was more after that. And I'm thinking like, oh, wow. What happened? I come unglued three or four times. I won't apologize. We had a tongue. And then I got back to church and I preached. Why? Because I didn't realize it, but there were, I was lacking something. I was needing something. What was it? It was preaching. Oh, can I tell you what we need today and what you need today? If you're going through a dry spell, here's what you need. You need preaching. Oh, thank God for preaching. I'm talking about we need Bible, good Bible preaching. Amen. I like good preaching, don't you? I don't like bad preaching. I heard somebody say, I like all kinds of preaching. I like good preaching. I like bad preaching. Can I go ahead and say this? I don't like bad preaching. Amen. I'd rather be mowing. (laughs) What is bad preaching? I believe preaching is not the word, Right? You'll get over that in a minute, brother. You don't like mowing, do you? You don't like mowing. I'm talking about we need good Bible preaching. Listen, if you go through a dry spell in your spiritual life, the worst thing you can do is get out of church. Because more than you and I know it, you need preaching. I need preaching. Thank God for preaching. Amen. Thank God for your preaching. I pull him up every once in a while and watch on the line. Uh, is that the, I watch him through that bo- uh, thing there on the camera. That's what it's called. Yes. You know, hold up camera, you know. Take that picture. I'll do that. But that camera, I'll watch him. Why? Because I need preaching. I need fiery preaching. Uh, the world calls foolishness. God calls this the power of God. Amen. They wonder why. Why, do you, why, can't, you, why can't you just stay away from it for a little while? Because we need it. We need preaching. Can I tell you, God chose preaching to restore, to revive, to give hope, to give help in our time of need. Good Bible, long preaching. We need long preaching. We need preachers that might back, let's say, preach for two and a half hours. We need preaching. 
We need long preaching. We need short preaching. Amen. We need convicting preaching. We need fiery preaching. We need right on target preaching. We need straight preaching. Listen, we need, uh, we need loud preaching. We need soft. No, we don't need soft preaching. We need preaching. Amen. We need unashamed preaching, clear preaching. Hey, we need what thus saith the Lord preaching. Why? Because that's what happened with David. He's in a dry spell and Joab said, son, listen, let me give you truth. What's preaching? Truth. It's giving truth. Listen, if you're going through a dry spell, you know what you need? Preaching. Find you some tapes on preaching. I ain't talking. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, those things make you feel. I'm talking about preaching. Find somebody that's just a mean preacher. Listen to him. It'd be good for you to get mad over preaching every once in a while. Yeah. Amen. If y'all don't leave here mad every once in a while, you need to find something to get you mad. Preacher, preach something, make them mad. Yep. That's crazy, ain't it? That really is. But it's the truth. Sometimes we think we're all goody-goody and everything's good. We need preaching to say, no, you're not. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. If it weren't for the grace of God, you'd be in hell with your back broke tonight. You need preaching. Yeah, right. Amen. You need preaching. He had to have preaching. And Joab preached to him the truth that he needed. I tell you, thank God for a preacher that gives truth. Amen. Look, what I like here is Joab, he wasn't waiting for a collective group, a body. He went to him individually. That's preaching. Preaching that gets on your level. Preaching that calls your name out. I, you know, it, this used to bother me, but now I like it. Whenever I'd say, does he know what I've been doing? Y'all been like that? This morning. Right? Does he know where I'm at? And used to, I think, good night. I mean, well, listen, when your daddy's a pastor, you ask that all the time. He's really talking about my life right now, you know? And now I'm thinking, absolutely. Thank you, Spirit of God, for bringing this out to me. Are you with me? We need, what do we need? Preaching. What do you have to have? He had to have preaching. Number two, let's get through number two. Uh, he said this in verse number eight. Look what he says. At verse seven, he says, get up. Get up. Arise. Go forth. He said, I'll tell you this. I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, if you don't get up from where you're at, if you don't get up from being in this dry spell, there not tarry one of thee uh, with thee this night. Then it'll be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. Then look what happened, verse 8. After some good preaching, point blank in your face, this is truth, take it or leave it. It said, what, what's the next verse, verse 8? The king arose. He had to have preaching. Number two, he had to pick himself up. After truth was told by Joab, King David had a decision to make. <clears throat> now here's where preaching falls into yours in my lap no message is complete without an application I've heard that being around Clarence Sexton he said all the time a lot of times we never apply it we'll say something like this it wasn't for me if so and so was here I'd really helped but the decision now the ball's in his courts what we say what are you going to do with it and what did he do he picked himself up he could have stayed down dry in a slumbering season, or he could do what he did, arise and get back to what God has for him to do. Right? right. Now listen, I believe God can do anything. I believe he has power to do anything in your life. But I believe this too, God gives us a free will. I believe this, I believe God is not asking you to do what he only can do. He's going to do what only he can do. 
And now he's going to say for you to do what you can do. See, some people have heard truth. Some people know you in a dry spell. And you know you need to get right with God. It's been revealed to you. Something's come along, knocked the wind out of you. Man, it's messed your whole, whole rest of your life up. You've had to kind of revamp things. And you know what you need to do. You just need to come forgive it. Go on. Ball's in your court. Right? Now what are you going to do? And we say, well, if, it, if God want me to, he would. I tell you, he's revealed truth. Now what do we do? He had to pick himself up. David got used to, if you'll remember somewhere or other, uh, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. I'll never forget at my, at my ordination, everybody went around the room and no, I'll be honest with you, nobody really asked me anything. I was scared to death, really. I didn't know nothing, still don't know it. I, I, I'm still learning. Still learning, I don't know much, too. I got to my grandpa, or my daddy. My daddy was before my grandpa, and he said, if I didn't know, if I didn't think he's qualified to be ordained, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Went to my grandpa, the one who grew up just right down Eupeptic Springs and down through that way, and he got and he said, son, I'll tell you something. He said, if you don't learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, you're going to have a hard time. Pick yourself up. Now you've heard truth. Now do something about it. And this is what he did. He picked himself up. I think most have been broken or stuck here. We know truth, but, but now, now we don't know what to do. It's the application part you're stuck at. I'll tell you this. God will reveal truth to all of us, but it's up to us. What are you going to do with it? Right? How do you handle truth? Where are you going to take truth? But not only how are you going to take it, how are you going to apply it to your life? Number one, he had to have preached. Number two, he had to pick himself up. Pick himself up. Number three is this. He had to get back to the place that God had for him. Look at verse 15. <clears throat> so the king returned. What happened? Let me give you what's happened between 8 and 15. He arises. He takes Joab's preaching to heart. I believe he's still kind of down the dumps about it. But he knows you're right. Truth is right. Truth is always right. Truth is concrete. It's not relevant. There is truth. Amen. We're in a world today that don't want to hear that. They don't want absolute truth. If you say you're born a male, and some will say, well, we don't know that. See, if you question that, you question everything. You know, that's messed up, isn't it? I mean, we're that far. Hey, well, you should go to the men's bathroom. Well, actually, it's up to you. No. No, it's not. See, truth says this. Amen. There's truth, everything. There's no gray area. There's right or it's wrong. I, I believe that, you know? And so, and that's in about everything of life. Coles, I read on one of their bag. I just had a rabbit go that way. And Daddy said you chase rabbits if they got meat on them. That's what, he told me that one time. But one of the Coles bags, now listen, you shop at Coles, I don't care. It said gray matters. She said, is that right? Did you say that? Don't tell what it said. It's kind of like, you know, just whatever you want to do. That's what I say. That's why you might go to Coles, find some man over there in the woman section. And they better not say, sir, you're in the wrong section, right? <laughs> uh, you can shop wherever you want. Great man. I thought, no, 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 no. Right or wrong? 
Right? Right? All right. So he heard truth. He picked himself up. Now he had to get to the place. I got to get here. But what happened? He got up and he said, I got to get back home. And so they started coming and meeting him. And they said, oh, king, we're so glad you're coming back. And the ones that threw rocks at him, Shimia, he shows up again. A couple others that talk bad about him. They're like, hey, oh, hey, oh buddy. <laughs> you know about me throwing the rocks at you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. And so all that's happening right now. You know, it, it, Y'all got to read this story. Some of you look at me like you've never read this. Shame on you, you know. You want to read this good stuff. But what happened? He had to get back to the place that God had for him, verse number 15. So the king returned. He returned. He got back to where he's supposed to be. He got back to the place that God had for him. Where was that? Jerusalem. Can I tell you, God had him a specific place for him to be at. Where was that? It was in Jerusalem, in the city of David. That's where he was supposed to be. Can I tell you this? Everyone, God has everyone a place. I believe that with all my, I believe God has you. Whoever gets that coffee going, that's your place. Amen. I believe everybody, but preacher, I'm not a preacher, and I'm not a pastor, and I'm not a song leader, so that means I'm not nothing. Well, David found this out. Not everybody builds temples. And here's what he told God. He finally, he had a reality check with the Lord one day. And here's what he said. Lord, I want to build you a temple. And God said, no. I'm sorry, you can't. I've, I'm going to let somebody, I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to let somebody in your, your family be it. I'm always going to keep it in your line, David. But David, you're not going to build a temple. You can get it ready. But you're not going to build it. And then we find David, he's given this speech, and he says, God, God wouldn't let me build a temple. I like Tom Malone said, I'm going to preach if God calls me or not. You know, that's why he, he said, listen, God didn't want me to build a temple. I, I can't. He won't let me. All he wanted me to be was a king. Let me say it again. All he wanted me to be, like it was a lower thing. Read it. He says, all, all God wanted me to be was a king. And when I read it first time, I'm like, listen, buddy, king, you've got a city named after you, and you've been gone for thousands of years, right? And all, all God wanted me to be was a king. Mamas, that's kind of like saying this, all I got, I mean, all I am is my mama. Listen, do you understand the power that you hold in your hands as being a mama? Ooh, I preached on that Mother's Day. The power to build. But the foolish woman plucketh it down with her hands. Oh, mama, you've got power over lives. There's a poem that was made famous that says, The hand that rocks a cradle rules the world. See, mamas, that's like you. Daddies, that's like you saying, All I am is a daddy. Listen, daddies. You've got little eyes looking at you. You are over a kingdom that God's allowed you to be over. You have the, you have the, you have been given the gift to strategize and, and lead and then confer with an assistant. You've got your own assistant, praise God. Your job's so important, God gave you an assistant. That's not many jobs. I don't have an assistant at the church. You know, I don't need one. I don't think yet, maybe. 
I'm just like so fired up about preaching right now. That's all I think about. You know, I'm still honeymooning the thing. But listen, God gave you uh, an assistant for your job. Don't say where God's placed you is, well, that's all the place he put me. That's a big deal. Brother Rick, you know what got me excited about pulling in here? I saw Brother Ricky standing out front going. <laughs> and at first I, I said, are them water bottles open? <laughs> and I was like, he's, he's on fire or something. You know? But then I thought, you know what? One of them he might have for me. Honest to goodness. And so I was wanting to park over here in the shade. I thought, like everybody, my car will be cooler when I get out. You know, we got, I got common sense too, you know. But because Brother Ricky and there's two others standing out here, I don't know if they, they was just, I don't know if you're smoking or what you done. But you were standing out here. And I got excited. Honest to goodness. I'm not lying, Brother Ricky. You see what? I don't even know if that's a parking place right there. I might have just made the Sysloff parking place in the grass, Brother Pope. But I, I asked my youngest, I said, no, nah, we're going to park right, we're going to back in right here. They's not even pavement. If I messed up, I'll pay for it or something. But I, I will. Why? Because I saw somebody here that was excited about being here. Now if Brother Ricky or whoever was smoking, whoever was out there would have said, what's it matter? All I do is open the door and hold a water bottle. Oh, my goodness. Uh, who? Uh, people going up, people that don't even go to church and go up down the road, Brother Brad, and they see people excited. And they're so excited that they're on the outside having people come in. Hey, come in. Praise God, I got you a bottle of water. And somebody come in here. Just because they see somebody outside excited, then they come in and get saved. Oh, listen, whatever your job is, it's a place where God's poop. You say, oh, God, I heard somebody say this one. All I am is a dishwasher. I was like, can I tell you something? That's an important job. Because if I go somewhere and I find a fork that's got egg on it from whoever ate it before, I will not come back after I defood myself. Are you with me? And so can I tell you, you have a place. And what did he say? He had gotten broken. Oh, he had to get up. He had to have preaching. He had to get up, and he had to go back to the place that God had for him. But preacher, I don't have a place. I believe these men around here can find you one. Hey, I don't know, honest to goodness, I don't know nothing about it, but maybe somebody used to sing the choir. Listen, some of my favorite choir singers are people that can't sing worth a lick. I ain't going to name them, Mama. Yeah. Amen, brother. And they just excited about singing. You know? I'm trying to make song leaders. You got Brother Connors going at it down there. And I, I, I kind of get in it when I'm leading singing. You probably don't get imagine that, but I kind of get in it. And I, they'll say, well, I can't sing. I say, you got to sing. If you're a song leader, that's one good thing about leading. You don't got to sing. You just get people excited about singing. Then just move your hands. Right? And so listen, you might have been in the choir and so, it could have been like you. Something knocked the wind out of you by somebody asking you not to sing. I don't know. Or you got off tune and it, it embarrassed you. Somebody laughed at you. If I had a quarter for every time somebody laughed at me, I'd have a couple quarters anyways. I don't have but, but you know what I'm saying? It's knocked the wind out of you. Amen. And what you need to do, you need to get back in your place. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good. 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 
Find your place. Get back. What do you do? Went up to say, Can I tell you, God has a specific place for everyone. I'm talking about he don't just have one place. He's got a specific place. Assigned just for you at Calvary Baptist Church, 2020. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? That down through eternity, God knows exactly where you're supposed to be. Now all you got to do is get in line with him. Amen. I'm talking about a specific and a sign. Some of you, man, this could go on forever. So whoever made the coffee out there and got it just right, God, God knew you need to be right here. Right now. Amen. And that's why you're here. A special, it's a specific place. It's an assigned place. It's a special place. I know not everybody's a king, but everybody has an assigned throne. Per se, I believe this. We're going to be judged uh, how we how we are on our throne, just like David. How he how he completed his task on his throne. But he got we got I got one more and I'm done. He had I don't, you didn't give me a time. That's you shouldn't. Have. I mean you should have, brother. But anyway, let's get. He had to have preaching. Preaching. He had to have preaching. Number two, what was that? He had to pick himself up. Number three, had to get back to the place God had for him. Number four. Let's look what he says in verse 22. Well, he gets back over there. <clears throat> Some of them start having trouble. Come bring him the problems again. David said in verse 22, What have I to do with you, you sons of Jeriah? You should this day be adversaries to me. Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? Look what he says. I underline this. Bold underline. For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel. Last thing he had to do was this. He remembered his position. Remember his position. Have you reminded yourself today of your position in this world? I think we get too entangled with the affairs of this life, really. We get caught. I preached today, this morning from Psalm 121. Which hill are you looking to for help? You got God's holy hill. Pretty plain, Capitol Hill. And so many times we're, we're, we'll look at, we'll watch every update. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm not going to go into depth with it because I don't know enough about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't put up with it. And we'll, we'll, every day we'll watch what President Trump has to say. Then we'll watch what Fauci has to say. <laughs> Some of you got it. And then we'll watch what Mr. Birdman over there has to say. And then he'll call on the, this fellow and what they have to say. And we're trying to put it all together. And can I tell you, they use big words. I need a dictionary. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Tabitha, what are they saying? So she'll watch it and tell me what they say, you know? And then we watch Roy Cooper. I didn't say anything bad. We'll watch Roy Cooper. And we see what he has to say. And we put our input. And then we come to the sheriff. Right? And we want to know what everybody has to say. Oh, we'll get all hyped up, all tore up. Well, how are they going to help us? Well, what are we going to do here? Well, why ain't they doing it? Well, why? And we neglect. And so I want to ask you, which hill are you looking to for help? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. 
And so we need to be careful there. Listen, and here's the reason why. We've got to remember, we've got to remember and be reminded of our position, just like David was. We get caught up too much. You know, I'm guilty of it. Get caught up too much in this world. Let me give you a couple of things. I'm done. Three areas we need to be reminded of daily. See, my points have subpoints. We're all in trouble, aren't we? Three areas. I'm, I'm going to be quick. Number one, you need to be reminded of this daily. You <clears throat> are a son of God or daughter. You are a son or daughter of God. You, don't, you know why things don't go like you think they should? You're not of this place. Jesus gave a promise that's a negative promise. He said, in this life, oh, they were so excited. Tell me something good. Folks, listen, in this life, tell it, King, tell it, Son of God. What is it? Ye shall have, what shall I have? Tribulation. Right? And that's a, you can write it down with the promise of, he shall never leave me nor forsake me. Why don't you see any verses on the wall that say, in this life, you shall have tribulation right over the mantle? You know? Why? Because we don't like that. We don't want to hear. We want the good stuff. Right? They said, be of good cheer. I've overcome this thing. Right? And you can overcome. We need to be reminded, listen, you're a son of God. God, he's called us out of the darkness into, I like what he said in Ephesians. He said, ye were, ye were. Ye were sometimes darkness. Not that you were in darkness. You were the darkness. Right? And now you're a son of God. You know what you need to be reminded every day? You're a son of God. You don't fit in here. Why do things not go the way that you think they should? Because you're not of this. This world ain't your home, praise God. Your father's seated in heaven, amen. He's got everything. He said, you know what I'm going to do with them uh, governments? I'm going to make them my footstool. <laughs> every one of them, praise God. We get wrapped up, but when he, what did he remind us? He said, look, do I not know that I'm the king? You know, he had to be reminded. Remind yourself daily. Listen, you've been in a hole. And something knocked the wind out of you, and you just need to dust yourself off and say, it's going to do it. To, I'm probably going to have the wind knocked out on me tomorrow, but by the grace of God, I'm still a son of God. This world ain't my home. God's my father. We get ready to pull out of here before long. Amen. He was reminded he was a son of God. Number two, you're not, you're a son of God. But number two, you're not a slave to this world. I can hear my daddy telling me this. He say, son, don't become a slave to the world. I didn't know what he's talking about. I'll be honest with you. A lot of things my dad told me, I didn't know what he's talking about. And then I'm like, all of a sudden I'll be in life. And I'm like, oh, hey, when I was 15, daddy told me something like, I didn't know what in the world he's talking about. Now I know. Listen, you're not a slave to this world. It's systems. You're not a slave to them. You've been bought with a price. Amen. You are God's. Therefore, glorify God. You're not to be wrapped up in the world. Now, listen. I'm not. Listen. We've got two. I've got a fellow in our church that's. He just got on board of education. Amen. Top elected. For board, and I thank God for it. And I'm not. I think we need some strong conservative Christians in every bit of politics. I believe that. And if people don't start start getting in it, we're all going to be a bunch of. Let's get back to this. You're not a slave to this world. It's systems. Don't get wrapped up in the systems. 
You know, and, and, and this has helped me this, this whole time of everything kind of coming down. We were so busy, Brother Pope, so busy. I mean, it was every, our March and April, we were gone just about every day. And I'm still trying to work and pastor. And we'll go at night. And, and I, I enjoy it to an extent, you know, is that the right word? To a point. But it was so busy, it was getting to be like, you know, I really just want to slow down. I tell you, that's what we're going to do with the grace of God. We're not just going to stop, but we're going to kind of, hmm. And say, you know what, God, I'm not supposed to get in this rat race. And if we're easy, if we're easy, we worship church. And if we're, if we're not easy, we worship worship. And we don't worship God. And so, number two, you're not a slave to this world. It's systems, it's strongholds. Right? Pulling down of strongholds. You have the power through the Spirit of God to pull down strongholds that the world can't. You're not a slave to strongholds. You can have victory over sin. You do not have to sin. You can say no. I call it preventative theology. Right? Now, we all know 1 John 1, 9. Right? Why? Because we always mess up. And we ask God to forgive us. But why not preventative? Why not just don't sin to begin with? Let's keep going. You're not a slave to this world. System, stronghold, strategies, sinfulness. Number three, and I'm done. Three things. Remind yourself of this daily. This will keep you out of being dry. Getting dried up on God. You're a son of God. You're not a slave. And you're soon to be out of here. You're soon to be out of here. I said, you're soon to be out. If you're, if you're born again, child of God, it's not going to be long. For the Lord himself shall descend. Amen. With a shout. The voice of an archangel. And the trump of God. I don't know what all that means. I know it's going to be a big sound. With the shout, voice, trump. I think it's going to go something like this. Whoop! And the angel's going to say, it's time! And he's going to say, boop! Voice with the shout. With the archangel. That's just Bible, right? That ain't good. I don't know, but I believe it's going to be something like that. And we're out of here. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And can I tell you what? I really believe that. You've been on an airplane ride. We're going to have a plane air ride. And then the last part, it says this, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's hope. That's hope. And so what did David do? He got up and he says, look, I'm the king over Israel. I can't stay down in the dumps. I can't let stuff knock me off my feet. I've got something to do. I'm going somewhere. I tell you, don't don't get dry on God. If something's come by and knocked you off your feet, return to God. Get up, rise up, get victory over it and get back to the place where God has for you. And remember, listen, this world's not our home. Return to God. Come back to Him. Give it to the Lord. Yeah. Good 
Peter would say something like this. Casting all your care upon him. He careth for you. Sometimes we do. It's easy to get hurt. I understand that. But remember, if you don't get over it soon, quick, it'll pull you down. And I do like David. It didn't just affect him. It was affecting everybody around him. So let me ask you today. Is there something in your life that's knocked the wind out of you? Is there a time where you would say, oh, yeah, there was a time where I was on fire for God? I can remember I was sitting with about four or five preachers one night, and we had some young men that were questioning us at a boot camp. And they went around to all the men, and uh, they, one of the young men asked a question. He said, preachers, I want all of you to ask, when's the time that you believe that you were the most excited, on fire, and close to God? I thought this could get somebody in trouble. And so they went around the room, and at that time, I was fired up. I really was. I was excited. I had a boot camp. We just come out of preaching, and I really felt like the Spirit of God was sitting right beside me. <clears throat> I said, right now, I believe there's seasons of new beginnings in life. And some of them would say, well, whenever I was younger, I can remember like I was closer to God. Ooh. And in my mind, nothing, I still love these men, but I'm thinking, you know, you, know, you can, you can, you can have that relationship back. But in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what's happened now that, that kind of knocked the breath out of them? What's happened in your life? Oh, preacher, I'm not saying you have to say amen, but there might have been a time where you used to shout. What stole you shout? What knocked the wind out of you? Why not get it right with God? Oh, preacher, at the time I was closer to God. Why not be right now? Drawn out of God, he'll draw nigh to you. His hand's not short and he cannot save, nor his ear heavy, he cannot hear. He wants, to, he wants to be with you. Why not come today? Can we have a song? Preacher, will you come? A broken spirit. A broken spirit. Having the wind knocked out of you. You know what? If that coach hadn't told me, Seth, get back in the game. I'll be honest with you. When I went back into the game, I was still a little timid. Because why? I said, I won't, lie. I won't do that again. Matter of fact, it was still sore for about a week. Man, I could touch my stomach, and it was sore. And I'm not sure, and I don't know, but I'm not sure that if that coach wouldn't have come and yelled at me and said, it's your, you get back and we'll do it again, and I wasn't scared to death of him, that I would have even got back in the game. Really. So can I say this? I'm calling you out tonight. You've got out of the game. Get back in the game. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We sure do need you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Help us, God. We know a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit, getting the wind knocked out of us. Oh, God, we wouldn't looking for something. To have. Somebody that we even love knocking wind out of us. David's life, his own son was guilty of knocking the wind out of him. His own country and the men he loved turned their back on him, talked about him, and knocked the wind out of him. Lord, thank you for sending a preacher to him, giving him truth. God, thank you for him getting up and going. And we see what the country, what happened with the country because he was obedient to truth. God, help us. Help us not to stay in a dry season. 
Lord, we're going to go through times that are hard, things that are going to hit us, but God, help us. Help us not to stay there. Help us to get victory. Help us to get victory over this. It's in Jesus' name. Can we all stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. Preacher's going to come. While we're standing, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, Calvary, let's use the altar tonight. Folks are already coming. Let's use the altar tonight. Maybe you got to, maybe you got the wind knocked out of you. And tonight, you know what? Tonight you ought to make your way down to this old-fashioned altar. And you know what? Have a fresh start tonight. Have a fresh start. Would you come? Folks are coming right now. Why don't you, why don't you step out? I wonder, are you, are you, are you as fired up tonight as you were a year ago? Are you in love with Jesus tonight as much as you were six months ago? If not, you know what I would do, man? I'd, I'd find my way to an altar tonight. I'd say, Lord, give me that fire back. Give me that excitement back. We're going to pause tonight just for a little while. Folks are continuing to come. If you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. I don't know for sure that I'm, I'm born again. I don't know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Hey, why don't you right now, why don't you just slip out from wherever you are and make your way to the front. We'd be glad to meet you right here and take a little time with you, show you how you can know Christ as Savior. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I'm not, I've not followed the Lord in, in believers' baptism. Why don't you come tonight? Make yourself a candidate for baptism, whatever it might be. Maybe, maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Listen, the altar is wide open tonight. We're going to make our way to the front just for a little bit. If we can pray with you, you come tonight. While we wait, while we wait, you come this evening.